And welcome back to another episode of Staying Outside. I'm your host, Isaac Ming, and joining me as he does every single episode, my co-host and the in-game voice of the Vancouver Giants, Cam Miller. Cam, what's going on, man? Not too much. I'm excited to get into this show today, though. Uh, Lots to talk about. And uh, I'll let you start it off with uh, the fights on the weekend. So we'll just jump right in. Um, over the weekend, there was a probably one of the bigger fights that's happened in, in the last, I can't say a little while because there was a pretty big fight a couple weeks ago, but uh, I don't think you watched it, did you? No, I didn't watch it. I'm not a huge UFC fan, but I, I did hear about it. And obviously I know about the history of John Jones, but yeah, I'm not a huge UFC fan. So I'll let you talk about it for the most part yeah so over the weekend we had actually a pretty good card it was ufc 285 and it previewed the return of john bones jones uh now the goat of the ufc i would say uh he defeated surreal gone and he beat him pretty handily honestly like i think it was under two minutes it was around two minutes i think of the first round where jones tapped out gone and i don't know it was very uh, underwhelming fight because I was actually looking forward to a really good fight between the two. Uh, I'm a pretty big Gon fan, but I'm a bigger Jones fan. So I was pretty happy that Jones uh, did win the belt. But before getting excited, we still have to give him a week to pop for either cocaine or or uh, steroids. <laughs> so that happened. Uh, also, Sveshchenko, uh, she lost her belt to Alexa Grasso. Uh, I've never even heard of Grasso, but I always cheer for Valentina because she's just so dominant. Uh, I would have to look up to see what her her title reign was and how many times she defended it, but she had a very lengthy uh, title reign, and I feel really bad for her. I feel like she'll win the next fight uh, if they do give her another rematch, which I feel like she'll get a rematch, but uh, yeah, uh, not, not too many t- thoughts on that fight. I think my favorite fight of the night was Gamera versus Turner. I've never even heard of Turner, and he really impressed me. I actually thought that he should have won, but due to the amount of takedowns and ground control that Gamera had, uh, he he took the victory. And it's I understand. I I'm I've never really hated on the ground game of UFC like most people do, and but I just thought it was kind of pathetic that how many times Gamera was just going to the ground with him. It was kind of like a one-trick pony type of thing. If this fight never happened, I would give that, this Turner fight, the fight of the night. But I would give, in my opinion, the fight of the night. I'm not exactly sure if it did get fight of the night. But Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rakamanov, that was a really good fight. And Jeff Neal honestly really impressed me. Uh, And so did Rakamanov. I could see Rakamanov being the Walter Waite champ uh, pretty soon. 17-0, he's looked really good in that fight. And both... Both fighters gave themselves chances to win. I feel like it was definitely the best fight in the night, in my in my opinion. Yeah, I, I see really high fu- or a really bright future for Rachmanov. We'll move on from UFC, though. And uh, in the NFL, a bunch of QBs actually just signed a few contracts. Uh, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, and Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'll kind of let you take the reins on this one here quick. Uh, do you want to start on Daniel Carr? Daniel Carr. <laughs> Derek Carr. <laughs> Sure, yeah, I have lots to say on this because if if any of you guys are new listeners, uh, I'm a Saints fan. So the Saints signed Derek Carr to a four-year, I believe it is a $150,000, sorry, hundred. yeah, no, $150 million contract, my bad, um, that carries an average annual annual value of $37 million. Um, see this move, I could kind of see it coming. He, Derek Carr was rumored to the Saints. I've had a couple days. Uh, I don't know the, the the he was always kind of rumored to the Saints, and the Saints had lots of interest. And it's the type of move I could see us making. And what I mean by that is, if you look at the Saints roster, it's it's built to win now, 
but in two years, we are going to be awful. You know, Michael Thomas, he's 30 years old. Kamara's 27, which I guess means he's in his prime, but running backs, you know, usually tend to taper off around 28, 29 years old. So he's 27. Um, you got Demario Davis back there that's in his 30s. Cam Jordan's in his 30s. Tyron Matthews getting old. We have an old roster with not a lot of draft capital or young prospects other than outside of Chris Olave and Alante Taylor, I'd say we don't have a lot of great young players. So I'm, I'm fine with this move because it helps us win right now with the roster we have. But I think in two years we should be looking to rebuild and that's what that's the downside to this contract is it is a four-year contract that has is backloaded with cap hits and what i mean by that is i'm looking at his contract breakdown right here this upcoming year in 2023 he's only gonna carry a cap hit of 7.2 million dollars which is really low for a quarterback and just tells it that tells me that the saints are trying to win now like this year and next year are the years where we are trying to win because this year he's got a cap hit of 7.2 mil next year it goes up to 35 mil but in the last two years of his contract it's a cap hit of 45 million dollars and 55 million dollars with a no trade clause so we're kind of stuck with this contract in 2025 and 2026 and that's the downside to this contract essentially I like it now for us because, like I mentioned, our roster is built to win now. I think we have a little bit of an underrated roster. Uh, we had a lot of injuries last year, which caused us to not perform as well. And obviously, quarterback struggles as well. Andy Dalton is not really the answer. But I'm excited for this year. And at least the Saints are showing that we're trying to win now. So I didn't think you guys were wanting to win right now, I guess. And. Even with Derek Carr as your QB, I don't. I still don't think you're going to get very far, considering uh, all the teams in the, in the NFL that are have gotten a lot better over the last two years. I guess Olave is really the only young player I know on your team, like you said. So, yeah, it was very. It was a bit of a weird signing to me, but I'm sure he'll he'll fit fine there. Yeah, and if you look at the NFC South right now, now is when we should be trying to win because the NFC South is awful. It's brutal. Like your starting quarterbacks are Matt Corral, Marcus Mariota, and Kyle Trask, unless they go into the draft and draft anyone. But even then, you have a rookie QB. So I don't know why I, I think the Saints. Division. No, we're in the NFC South, so we could easily come out of that division. Yeah, no, never as the winners, and that's six divisional games. We should win five out of six. Looking at our schedule here, so it makes me excited for this year. But also in the back of my mind, I know that we're probably going to suck in 2025 and 2026 and be stuck with this, you know, $50 million cap hit in Derek Carr. But the thing with Derek Carr is we won't suck enough to get a high draft pick with him. Like he's always kind of been like a, there was a couple years where he was like a fringe top 10 QB. Like I believe in 2020, he had a really good season. Yeah. 4,100 yards, 27 touchdowns, only nine interceptions and a PFF grade of 85. So that's really good. That's like top eight in the season. I believe he had a, another good year in 2016, was it? Yeah, he was an MVP. Uh, I don't think candidate, but he was nearing the end of the year. He was uh, in discussion for the MVP there for a little bit because he led the Raiders to a playoff berth as well. These last couple of years haven't been great for him, but you know, he's still a decent quarterback, so... I'm looking forward to seeing him play in a Saints uniform. Yeah, and then moving on to Geno Smith signing with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I was a bit disappointed seeing that it was three years long. Uh, I did read that we are able to cut him halfway through this through year two, so that's not too bad. But it's just it's a bit it's a lot of money for Geno. I don't blame him though because uh, he he's getting his bag that he deserves at this point in his career. Uh, he's come a long way to deserve. A starting QB role with this kind of money and uh, this kind of term. So, the thing is about this contract though is it's front loaded. So, I think he's getting a lot of money in his first year, and then, like you said, you can cut him after that, <clears throat> and it won't result in too much dead cap space. 
my my ideal contract for Gino was maybe just give him the year or give him two years. I don't know. That's ideal though. A player's not really going to accept that at uh, exactly yeah. at Gino's age. Uh, another contract that got there's two actually that got signed today. Daniel Jones signed a four year, one hundred sixty million dollar contract with the New York Giants. That boy got his and bag. The Giants. I know Danny Dimes. Um, they also signed Barkley too. Not signed Barkley. They franchise tag Barkley. It's yeah. a bit different, but holy crap, did Daniel Jones rob the Giants? And I'm a fan of Daniel Jones. I, I like I'm Daniel. I'm a big Jones. Daniel Jones believer, but 160 million is pretty crazy. That's what I mean. He like I think he's hated on too much. You know, I think he's a top 15 quarterback, but 160 million dollars is you're, you're betting on him improving from this year and showing that he can throw the ball because he's obviously shown that he can run the ball with his legs but he needs to prove that he can be an elite passer as well i also think this type of contract so they need to get a little bit more weapons for him uh yeah he's got no wide receivers (laughs) i feel like i feel like it was just it was just him and barkley pulling that giants team to the playoffs this year so yeah like, if you ask me to name the Giants wide receiver one at one point in the season, I probably couldn't do it. And I'm a big NFL fan. Like, they See, like, had no names up there. I had one of them on my fantasy team. I can't think of his name now, though. But, yeah, like, they, they didn't... <laughs> exactly, they didn't really, you exactly. can't remember his name. No, it's just they need to have uh, a little bit more of an offense around Daniel Jones because he can't do it all by himself all the time. Yeah, and then... So that's the Giants. And then the Ravens also. This was... It's not really a big contract, but it is. it was a big decision for the Ravens. They franchise-tagged Lamar Jackson today. So that essentially means that uh, Lamar... Well, they, they've got Lamar under... Well, not under team control, because technically they don't really control him. But he can come back and play for the Ravens next year because he has a contract with them. But it's essentially the equivalent to RFA tagging or RFA qualifying... Uh, a player in the NHL, whereas with this franchise tag, another team can come and match that and give two first-round picks to the Ravens, and then Lamar would go to that team. And then he'd have the chance to sign an extension there. I don't really know what the Ravens are doing here. They should sign Lamar Jackson, give that man his money. I was expecting it to be an extension, not a franchise tag, because... Well, they put it in the same post as the Daniel Jones contract, so when I swiped over, I was expecting it to be a contract, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's not something you do to your franchise star quarterback. You don't franchise tag him. You just you you pay him. That's what the Chiefs did with Mahomes, and it's what's going to happen with Burrow, Allen, and that group as well. They're going to get signed. So other than what we've already said, you know, kind of for each quarterback, I like the Derek Carr now, maybe not so much later. Giants, questionable move there by them. And then same with the Ravens, a bit questionable there. And then obviously the Seattle Seahawks also showing that that they're they're wanting to win now with, with Geno Smith. So Yeah. Plus, if they did draft a quarterback next year, then it, Geno is a good QB to have uh, uh, teach, I guess, uh, a younger quarterback just because of who he is. Exactly. Just, it, just the character in the room, right? I feel like he's a good. They could draft a quarterback next year or the year after and have Geno mentor him. Yeah. I think Archie Manning's gonna be what is he twenty twenty six NFL draft? I don't even know, but yeah. <laughs> maybe that's like uh, that. Archie Manning to the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, that's a dream. Yeah, I think that wraps up the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll move on to to the NHL. Uh, the trade deadline was last week, and we did a little bit. We did a uh, half the trade deadline of up to what up to Tuesday that was happening. I think the deadline was on Friday. So there's a few pretty big trades that happened over the weekend. Um, not over the weekend, over the time that we weren't around to talk about them, I guess. Uh, yeah. Where did we end off? Matisse After Eckholm, Tuesday. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So Kane obviously went to the Rangers. I think we talked about it like it was already kind of happening. Yeah, it had been announced that morning. It was pretty much for bones and toothpicks like it wasn't for a whole lot carolina up their defense and shane goss for a third round pick in 2026 so they didn't really give up too much to the coyotes the canucks also you made a pick. oh go on goss had a great couple games with the canes 
I think he had like three points in his first day in his debut game or something like that. Or really? maybe it was his second game. But yeah, he played great. They they beat Tampa six nothing, and he had like three points. It sounds like so, every every player that's made that's like been on a new team that was kind of a big trade has been doing really well on their new team, including we'll, we'll, Jacob Chikrin. That, that was I was going to bring up next, but I was going to bring him up next. Yeah, but the the Canucks also made a uh, trade for, uh, for Philip Ronick. I feel like we can talk about that later on in the episode. We'll discuss that in the Canucks segment. Yep. And then Ottawa, like you just said, got Jacob Chikrin for what it looks like to be a steal because I they've been trying to shop this guy for two years and this is all they got was a first and two seconds. Very underwhelming considering, you know, what was it? Like like last summer there was rumors of him. Last trade deadline last summer, they were looking for like two first round picks, a prospect, and more. I don't think it's like... Kind of putting it this way, I feel like it's an underwhelming return for what the ask has been for the last two years, but for what Jacob Chikrin's worth, I feel like that's fine all day long, first two seconds. It, it, honestly, it's fair value. It's just underwhelming. You know, it was kind of underhyped. Yeah, yeah well, it's just because he was so hyped up for a while, right? Yeah, I do think, I do think though, that the Sens got him for less than what I thought, to be honest. Considering the D-man market, like what people were paying for D-man, like we saw with Ekholm and uh, Hronik, they they definitely they definitely got a steal here in a twenty-four year old compared to you know Ekholm who's thirty-one. Yeah, I was gonna say something about the Ronik trade, but I'll let that. I'll let all my rage come out later about that. Moving on, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Boston acquired another top six forward to play on their bottom six in Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, they gave up two firsts for that, while Detroit also retained fifty percent. Didn't he score also in like yep. his second or first game? Yeah, he also doesn't rock tape yeah, on a stick. Really? Oh, you didn't see that photo? Kind of sick. That I feel, no. Oh no, I did see that. It was the, the very top of the his no stick. Knob, have, no yeah. tape on the knob. Yeah. And no tape on the blade too. I saw like a different angle. Really? I think so. Or someone on Boston rocks no tape on the blade, and I feel like that's a very Tyler Bertuzzi thing to do. What a monster. That guy should be jailed. <laughs> no, I love it. Send him down to the dub. I love it. It's sick. If you can like score goals with no tape on your stick in the NHL, that's just that's that's dirty. And then the Dallas Stars finally also made a trade for Max Domi. So I think we were saying last episode that we were waiting for Dallas to at least do something. And they did something and they went and got Max Domi, who's actually having a very good year in in Chicago, uh playing alongside Kane. Yeah, I also I also had a cold take last episode. I was like, I have a gut feeling Max Domi's not getting traded, and then he got traded like two days later. So that was nice. <laughs> the other trade I was gonna bring up was the Greenaway trade because I know he was rumored mm. to the Canucks for a bit. Yeah, right. Greenaway to Buffalo. Was it for third? Uh, second and fifth. Second and fifth. Okay, that's actually a really fair yeah. deal for Jordan Greenway, and I feel like he'll fit really well in Buffalo. Yeah, he definitely fits well on their third line there. I know lots of people had the Sabres as losers because they didn't go and acquire a big piece. I actually like that they didn't because it leaves room for their prospects to grow and flourish in their top six, like yeah. Cousins. They still got Savoie coming up. And um, what other prospects do they have? They've got, some, they've got some good young talent that if they go and trade for you know, a top-end forward in, at this year's deadline, they can't slot those guys in in there and and give them top six minutes so i like this move for buffalo and the fact that they paid less to acquire a physical presence and a a solid defensive third liner in greenaway that rather than going and trying to get kane or something yeah like buffalo's still a pretty young team so if they did go and try to make a big trade like that i feel like it wouldn't make too much sense for them just because uh they're they're still coming up in their development right you don't want to ruin that development with the core of their team so, no, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think it's, it was good that they didn't make any big trades like that. Yeah. So, with all, this, uh, all these trades, unless there's any other one you want to talk about, um, we're just going to quickly you know, give you know, some team grades here. Like, uh, maybe a winner and a loser each, and maybe some honorable mentions. Who would you say is your winner of this, trade, this year's trade deadline? I think I'm going to have to go with Boston. I think Boston won the trade deadline and they didn't even make any of the big moves really like 
Tyler Bertuzzi in your bottom six? That's pretty unreal. Uh, they went and got one of the best defensemen in the, uh, I guess, on the trade list in Dmitry Orlov, who I didn't even know was on the on the trade bait board. Uh, and they got one of one of the best bottom six guys in Garnet Hathaway. Like I really do think, and they didn't even need to make moves. They were fine as it was. So I really do think that they won the trade deadline just by adding these three players. Yeah, I like that pick, and um, yeah, I think they're they were already a great team, and like we discussed last last episode, they just got even better. And I don't see how a team is going to beat these guys in a seven game series. Like you have to win four out of seven against the Bruins, who are like forty one and eight. Yep. The only way and- that happens, I think, is if it's, is if Allmark collapses. Yeah, that's pretty. That's the only way I could see it, or if injuries kind of really hurt them and even their defense like they have really good defensive depth so even if one of their one or two of their defensemen go out it's not really gonna hurt them i don't think yeah yeah they they definitely were big winners of this this year's trade deadline for my winner okay i talked about this a bit last episode i really like the maple leafs trade deadline this year that the fact that they you know short up they they acquired uh, Noel Achari, Sam Lafferty, Ryan O'Reilly, um, obviously Luke Shen, Eric Gustafsson, and Jake McCabe. Those are some going to be some key depth pieces for them in this playoff run here, I think. And I, I do think, as much as I hate the Leafs, I do think they have the facilities to go on a, uh, on a run this year. When it comes time to pick our playoff bracket, I'm probably going to finally pick them to move past the first round here. So... I like these moves for them. You got Lafferty, who's a great PKer, solid third liner. He looked good again in the Canucks game. Um, unfortunately, Ryan O'Reilly's out with it's a broken finger, or a broken hand. Yeah, it's a broken finger. Broken finger. Yeah. So I'm not sure how long that's going to keep him out for, but that'll be at least be a month. So it'll be for the rest of the season, and possibly into playoffs a little bit, which is a huge loss for them. But that's why you get guys like Achari. They got some depth. They were able to keep Kerfoot doing all this too, which I know was someone who was rumored in trade talks, but they were able to keep Kerfoot and they only really lost Rasmus Sandin, who's, I guess I shouldn't say only lost, but they only gave up Sandin, Engvall, a 2023 first, a 2025 first, and then two seconds. And they actually got back a 2023 first as well. So... They got all those depth pieces for a first and two seconds. I'd say that's pretty good. No comment. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't I necessarily agree with. I, they're actually my honorable mention for being a loser, but to each their own. All right. <laughs> all right. That's good. We'll see come playoff time, I guess. Yeah. Now I should be cheering for the Leafs because then I can uh, rub it in your face a little bit. I'm gonna clip that. I'm clipping that. <laughs> okay, you clip it. <laughs> um, so I'll start off the losers uh, who we thought lost the trade deadline. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins lost the trade deadline. They just re-upped Malkin, Latang, and Crosby, who are all... I think they all signed three-year contracts, so it's, this is kind of like their last three years. And they added players, but it's not really players that are going to push the needle or really push them over the edge in a really deep Eastern Conference. They added Nick Bonino, Mikhail Granlin, and Dmitry Kulikov, who aren't necessarily bad players, but maybe this would have been a good trade deadline like five years ago if they made these three trades. Um, like Bonino is a, a fine third, fourth line center. I didn't really understand it because they already have Jeff Carter, who's old, making a lot of money, and on their third line, who also plays center. So I understand getting Nick Bonino back because he was there for their back to back, but. That one wasn't too big. Uh, the acquisition of Mikhail Granlund was a very, very questionable one with me because he's not even having that great of a year. He's getting a lot older. He's not the same Mikhail Granlund as he was before. Uh, and I f- they gave up kind of a lot. I feel like they could have they could have gone and on, gone out and gotten someone a lot better. They also cleared out a lot of cap space. JT Miller. Yeah, they could have gone and done you that. You want or- Brock Besser and JT Miller. And I feel like the, those two names would have been a lot better than Benino and Granlund coming back to Pittsburgh. And that's and those two names, even Besser's not even have that great of a year, but he pushes more of a needle than Mikhail Granlund does and Nick Benino does. Kulikov's not that bad of a like he he's Dmitry Kulikov. Like it's a th- 
third third pair, borderline second pair at best. I guess that's if they need D-men if their defensemen get injured, but I don't know. I thought it was a very underwhelming trade deadline for the Penguins. I I actually was going to have them as one of my... They were, they were kind of in that loser's bracket, I agree. But what kept them out for me was the fact that they were able to get rid of Kapanen. I know they didn't trade him, but they, they still got him off the books. They got a $6 million cap hit off the books. And that they didn't go and trade for JT Miller because I know they were rumored in that. And the fact that they didn't do that, I think, is good for them because as much as JT would have been good for them this year at 5.25, then now you got him for 8 mil for the next seven years in a team that in the team that should look to rebuild in two years. I don't think they will, though. That's the thing. They're the Penguins. I really, I really do think <laughs> they should. Miller would fit in very well with the group, their core that they have there right now. And even then, after Crosby, Malkin, and Latang all age out and maybe either retire or go the separate ways, I think Miller is a very fine player to lead that team for the next few years and maybe, and maybe even hold it down while the real rebuild happens. But that's just me trying to be a Canucks fan and sell JT Miller. So sell this pencil. My loser for this trade deadline, I'm going to go with the Flyers. And it's not necessarily because of the moves they made. It's because they didn't do anything. They're like a bottom team with an expiring player in James Van Riemsdyk who they could have traded. I know he's got a $7 million cap hit. That's It's kind of tough to move, but you saw other players with big cap hits get moved. So they could have gotten some draft capital for him. The only move they made was they acquired Brendan Lemieux and a fifth round draft pick for Zach McEwen, Canucks legend. Yeah, the Flyers did absolutely nothing, and they should be sellers. They should absolutely be sellers trying to get below the Canucks and Habs in the draft lottery, but they decided to do nothing, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back to bite them when JVR walks in free agency and... You know, they're just, they don't really have that good of a future, and they could have improved that this trade deadline, I think. Yeah, when I look around the league at some of the teams, being a Canucks fan, it actually makes me a lot happier to be a Canucks fan because I could be a Philadelphia Flyer fan. So that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. It was just very underwhelming, especially with the fans clamoring for a rebuild and, a tr- and maybe a trade or anything like that. Like, I don't know. They've been making a lot of questionable moves the last couple of years with D'Angelo and Ristolainen and Kevin Hayes contracts. Yeah. Like those are all very big contracts for very mediocre players that were signed on to be first line pair, first pair, first line guys. And um, I mean, Kevin Hayes, he's a fine player. He's having a pretty decent year, but uh, I don't know. It's just. I feel like every team that Torts goes to, he just slowly kills it. It happened yeah. here. It happened in Columbus. Happened in Philadelphia now. So, because yeah. nobody likes playing for the guy. It's it's one like, thing to like. It's one thing to be like. Uh, who's Calgary's coach again? It's Daryl Sutter. I don't. Th- I don't. But that's it's different w- either. I don't think people like playing for Daryl Sutter either. I mean, it worked last year. I feel like it worked with with Mac Kachuk. So. I don't know. It depends on who your team is. You have to have the kind of team to be built around those type of coaches. And Philly's not really the type of team that's built to play tour hockey. I mean, none of their defense are... They're all offensively puck-moving defensemen. Like, they're not really tough, hard-nosed defensemen like Torts likes. Uh, and that's the same for Calgary. None of those, none of those players are really Daryl Sutter-type Sutter players. So I'm not surprised that it doesn't work there. Yeah. Who would you say, who, who do you have for your honorable mention? I have an honorable mention for the good side. I would say Ottawa. I really okay. do think that adding Jacob Chikrin to that group and that core is actually, I would say it's probably one of the best moves in the whole trade deadline because of the price you gave up for Jacob Chikrin. It is a very fair price. Uh, it's, I guess it's cheap to some who think that Chikrin was going to go for five, four firsts and three seconds and. Um, everything else that the Arizona Coyotes have been asking for for the last year and a half to two years. But yeah, he's still 24. He still has another year left at $4 million, which is a very, very, very good contract. And he's been playing really well since getting there. I, I really do think Jacob Chikrin's a very good... Uh, he was a good ad 
And as well as getting rid of Nikita Zaitsev in his awful contract. Yeah, they were able to dump that. That's good. Good for them. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I like that. I like that honorable mention. I'm going to stay in the East here and go with the Rangers as my honorable mention for the winners. They got um, Kane. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't Tarasenko. use that one. I mean, uh, Senators are, are a good choice too. And the only thing that I think prevents them from being my winners was the Kraftstoff trade. He's looked great in a Canucks uniform yeah. so far, and we got him for seventh and Will Lockwood. So, yeah. But yeah, they got Kane, Mott, Tarasenko, Mikola, Mott gearing up for another playoff run with the Rangers. He was big for them last year. He's um, hurt I actually right now, really, though. yeah, but he'll be back. Well, he I actually really like, I really like that addition for them. And uh, Tarasenko has been great for the Rangers so far. I believe he's playing with Kreider and Zabanejad. And then Kane's with Panarin and oh, who's the other center? Trocek. Trocek, yes, thank you. Um, so that's those are their top six. Yeah, Tarasenko lines. that's a nine nine points in twelve games with the Rangers so far. Yeah, he's been great. And then Kane, it might take a little longer for him to settle in, but you know we all know what Kane can do. He's an offensively gifted player. So I'm I'm excited to see this team in the playoffs. And as much as I, I kind of won't be cheering for them. I'm excited to watch them. I really do think they've got the best forward group. I'm looking at their their additions and their subtractions. When you get Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko, and you only give up one first round pick and one second round pick, Vitaly Kravtsov and Sammy Blay, while also you also got Nico Mikola and Tyler Mott, that's a great deadline. Yeah, like that's like, why they were they were going to be my winners, but then I was like, ah, eh, Kravtsov, that wasn't a great trade for them, so. Yeah, but I f- they were never like they gave him away for literally nothing, which I I don't know. I feel like they were shopping for a really long time and if they were going to get something valuable from him, they would have gotten it. I wouldn't really put it past them and they were never going to use them anyways. Their whole th- their third lines shored up and he's not really much of a fourth line kind of guy for what teams like to play nowadays. Yeah. So, the Rangers a deadline from me in my opinion. Yeah. And my honorable mention for the losers. I know you had the Maple Leafs in your honorable mention. You kind of already, you already brought that up. But I'm gonna go with the Coyotes <laughs> <laughs> because they're just embarrassing. Like, are they even an NHL franchise? It's like taking random contracts to hit the cap floor, like Jacob Voracek and Shea Weber. Like, they are just, they're just awful. I, I don't have much to say about this other than. Well, obviously, there's the Jacob Chicken trade where they didn't get as much as everyone thought they were going to be, and that was also disappointing. But yeah, like I said, like <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing when you have to be taking on retired players on LTIR just to hit the cap floor because you're rostering, you know, 18 AHL players and putting them out there in front of 5,000 fans at Molot Arena. So I don't know. I don't even know what to say about the Coyotes. All right, um, moving on. That was our first half of the show. We'll get into a little bit of Canucks talk, and uh, I guess we can start off with the with the Ronick trade. The Canucks traded for Philip Ronick on what was it Wednesday afternoon? I think it was the day after we recorded. Yeah, Wednesday. Saw it come yeah. through. We always make big trades when I'm in math class. It happened with Bo Horvat. It happened with Philip Ronick, and then I can't pay attention in math, and I'm like on Twitter, Twitter, trying to get people's opinions and see what the see what the trade details are and stuff so yeah can i stop making trades on mondays and wednesdays i think i texted you like right like as soon as it happened and i was just i was all shaky but i'll i'll, I'll let's get into it a little bit the canucks acquire philip ronick and a fourth round pick from this year and to detroit is the new york islanders first round pick that we acquired in the bohorvat trade and a second round pick this year um, I'm just going to put this out there. I think Cam's going to side. <laughs> he likes, you like the trade, right? I don't want to talk for you. Uh, okay. I've got mixed feelings about it, but, but you'll, be on the, you'll, my, say, you'll be the bright side and I'll yeah, be the, I'll, I'll be, the, I'll be the bright side because honestly, I don't hate it as much as other Canucks fans do. And I can see the bright side of it. Would I have made this trade if I was the GM? Probably not, but no, don't I can also see. Well, probably not. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not the GM. I'm not under all this pressure. But, you know, I can see where the Canucks are coming from in the perspective of he's 25. My big thing is 
that is that Pedersen is 24 years old. And if our window is we're building it around Pedersen, I like this move because Hornick's one year older than Pedersen. He's going to be an RFA, not a UFA. So he's an RFA. He's under team control and we're able to re-sign him. I think the figure will probably be in the $6 million, maybe near the seven, even depending on what he does next year. But essentially what I'm trying to say is if our window is building around 24 year old Pedersen acquiring a top four D man, that's only one year older and who we can have on this team for a very long time. It's not a bad move. It's never going to be an awful, terrible move for the franchise. Did it suck giving up a first-round pick and a second-round pick? Yes. And I think a lot of Canucks fans, that's what they're looking at, and that's why they're really upset. But that's the price for a top-four right-handed defenseman. It's going to be a first-round pick, and that's what we gave up. And at least it wasn't our first-round pick. So I know you don't love this trade, so I'll let you go off on your little tangent now but that's kind of my initial thoughts on it i agree with the part that gd's 24 quinn's 23 this is the window those two are the window and demko's not getting younger either he's 26 i understand all of that i like phil bronick i actually think he's very he fits very well on our team but why the hell is this the trade that we make right now why is this the trade we're 27th in the league we don't need to be <laughs> making these kind of trades right now. <laughs> Let me just go on for a second, all right? Okay, you go off. Did, what place is Detroit in right now? One second. <laughs> Detroit's <laughs> four spots above us, and they're selling. Why are we buying off Detroit? <laughs> because, like, oh, my God. Like, it just it pissed me off so much seeing that we traded our first-round pick. And it's, it's not ours. It's New York's. I understand that. Look at it this way. I see on Twitter everyone saying, oh, we made this trade because we're not rebuilding anymore. Keeping the first is not rebuilding. Staying put is not rebuilding. Just kicking the tires on this year is not rebuilding. This trade could have been made in the offseason. This trade could have been paid, made next offseason, in the season. Why does it have to happen right now? That's, well, that's, Philip hurt. He can't hurt. He can't help us right now. He's hurt. No, I'm not even talking about that. <laughs> We're in we're bottom six team, and we're buying a defenseman for a trade deadline price. What did I don't even like? I'm gonna look up real quick. What did John Marino go last last year in the offseason? Ty Smith. I think it was one for one. Ty Smith. Let me double check. While you're searching that up, I absolutely agree. We could have probably gotten a better deal in the offseason, but maybe, maybe Hronik. Is not available in the offseason though. That's the thing with these defensemen is like I, I'm just I'm defending this trade here just because you know may as well, right? There's no point in there's no point in bashing, there's no point in both of us bashing it. Oh, uh, I'm so gonna I'm gonna defend it. it. I know you're gonna bash it. I know you're choked about it. But maybe he's not available in the in the offseason. He yeah, maybe but- he gets traded to another team and he's not available at the draft or wherever, whenever we want to trade for him. So why is it that we have to target Hronik? Why does it have to be him? I, I like, no, well, what other I, right? Well, no, no. What other right defenseman, young right defenseman is on the market. That's good. We said that last year. And then John Marino went to the devils. It was John Marino for Ty Smith and a third. You don't think we could have done okay. Rathbone in a second in the off season for a defenseman, for a defenseman on a team that can't afford him anymore. And they have to get rid of him. The, like these trades happen every offseason where teams can't afford their player and they trade them off for cheap because it, we've done this before. We did this with Miller. We gave the Tampa Bay Lightning a first round pick for Miller when they couldn't afford him and they were trying to get rid of him. We do this all the time. And it, at the time, it wasn't. Miller has been, been very good for us. He's played very well. He's been our best player for the last, since coming on our team. But even to this day, except for this year. But I will still defend my state or my stance on it, saying we should have never given up, given up a first round pick for him, even though it's worked out. We've, we, but we have even won with him. We haven't won. Shit. That's another thing I gotta bleep <laughs> out. But like, <laughs> it's just we we keep making these stupid trades at the times when we're at the very bottom of the league. These are the trades that you make when we're like when we're Ottawa, when we're in Ottawa's position where they're just outside the playoff spot and we need that little bit of an edge. I don't care how, how well Hronik plays for us. He could be one of the best defensemen of all time for the Canucks. 
But this trade at this point, at that price, will never make sense to me. Man, you're just being too negative at this point. I've said, I've said multiple times, I like Ronick, and I think he's going to fit very well in our team. But this trade can be made at any time when we have no prospects in our pool, and we have two first-round picks in this draft. But that's easy for you to say. Like, how do we know it could have happened at any time? How did we know we were going to get JT Miller at that time? I don't know. No one knew that JT Miller was going to turn into a 99-point player. And like, yeah, great trade. It's worked out. JT Miller was worth the first. But at the time when he was not, when he wasn't the player he is today, and he was making $5 million on the Tampa Bay Lightning when they couldn't even afford him, we should have never given him a first. I don't know. That's just my opinion on it. <laughs> you know what? And I, like, once again, I see completely where you're coming from. I just think you're being too negative. Like, it's not you're being looking negative, at it, though. It's not being you negative. You are being it's, negative. <laughs> I, okay, maybe I am being negative. But it's just, it's the same thing that happens every single time. And as a Canucks fan, I'm sick of it. I'm, all, I'm just, I'm sick of this. We, have, we had nothing to play for this year. And we bought a 25-year-old defenseman on a team that's above us in the standings that are selling off because they know they're not going to be play or cup contenders in the next however long that Heronic will be on their team. Yeah, I think that's, that's the part that I can look at it negatively from is that next year, I've, I've heard Alvin say we're trying to make the playoffs. That shouldn't be our goal. That should be no NHL team's goal. It should be no. your goal to win the Stanley Cup, not to make the first round of the playoffs. And that's what I mean, dude. Like in the last week or so, Alvin's had some interviews. He's been going on uh, Sportsnet 650 and talking to those guys. And he said, next year, is, I wanna, I'm pushing for playoffs. Next year's a playoff push. For what reason? Where have we heard, where have we heard that before? The last, the last, the last fucking idiot that was <laughs> controlling our team said that. And we went out and we traded for OEL and Garland. I'm not, I'm not trying to compare this deal to OEL and Garland, even though it did contain a first-round pick for a defenseman. But it's, just, it's the same move. It's the same story. It's the same thing that's getting pushed into our ears every single year, and it never works out. We're 27th in the league, and we're selling off first-round picks, or we have no prospects in our pool. Atu Ratu is probably the slowest skater I've ever seen, and he's our best prospect. LeCaron Mackey, an injury-prone winger in Sweden who's not even having a good year, is arguably our best prospect. And we just traded a first-round pick in one of the deepest drafts. Yeah, okay. You know what? When you put it that way, it doesn't sound great. Because, like, get, like I, wanted, I want to like this trade. And I do. This is just me kind of... It doesn't of, sound like you like the trade. Stop. <laughs> stop it, all right? <laughs> I, I want to like the trade. It's just the... the Time and the price just still doesn't make sense to me. We could have done this next season. This trade is a next season trade. I just don't understand why we couldn't just sit still and make our picks. And then next year, if next year we can take the step when all of our other players take the step. I don't know. I just feel like I see this every year. That's why I'm just so pissed off about it. Yeah, and Canucks fans have rights to have have the right to be pissed about this trade if they want to be. Uh, once again, I'm just trying to look on the bright side, and I I get all your points about like why are we making this trade now? It makes no sense. Our goal should be not to push for the playoffs next year because realistically, we're not cup contenders next year, even if we make the playoffs. You know, Hronik's not going to push us from that you know first round exit playoff team to a cup contender. So I agree with you on on the timing of this trade. But, you know, looking at it further than next year, I think Hronik, I think we're going to re-sign Hronik, and he's going to be a piece on this team for years to come. So, yeah, yeah maybe, well, maybe next year. Is huge. It's what, 7.2? No, it's, it's, I think it's like 5. But he's oh. going to get, he's gonna get like 7 or 8 7. million. 2. He's going to get 7 or 8, 8 million. million. If, he like has, I said. if he has a really, really good year next year, you don't think he's going to get 8 million? Maybe if he has a really good year next year, yeah. But then, then well, if he has a really good year next year, then he's a top two defenseman, then not a top four defenseman. And we so, already have OEL making seven million on our books. Uh, I forgot see, about OEL. See, like I want to like this trade, but then this, these type of things that keep coming up. But if if he has a season that we all think he will, which is going to be a really good season next year, because 
he was playing with Ben Sherratt looking pretty decent this uh, this year, right? So if he's playing with Quinn or even even Oliver, like honestly, Oliver Ekman Larson's an upgrade over Ben Sherratt. But if yep. he has a really good year next year, he's gonna have a really big qualifying offer, which is gonna be like it's good. I think he'll have over six and a half, which we like even then. That's a pretty big contract. No, I agree with you. It'll be. I think it'll be in the sixes, and there's a better chance that it's in the high sixes than the low sixes, and could even hit the seven million seven million dollar mark. I don't think it'll reach eight. That's just no. I don't either. Quite a bit for that's just like if he has a really good season and he asks for eight. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, that's true. And then on the flip side, what if he sucks? What if he's not good? That and then would we just be gave so up, bad. We gave up a first and a second for him. I understand. Okay, so on the price that I keep banging the drum on, I'm fine with giving up a first. It was the second overall pick that really pushed me over the edge to not like this. I was going to say that when I brought up what we gave up because like when I brought up my point of like that's what the price is for this caliber of defenseman at this age under team control, it's going to be a first round pick and I'm fine with that. But yeah, like you said, we couldn't give it up a first and the third. We just acquired from Toronto for Luke Shen. We couldn't give up a first and, you know, Jack Rathbone. We had to give up a second where, like, we could have drafted a center, which is what we're looking for, a center prospect in, you know, this really deep forward draft, like you said. So, yeah, I agree with you on that, on that thing that I wish we hadn't given up a second. I'm just I'm optimistic about it. Like I I know we really need like we need defense and we needed a right hand defenseman as well. So it's like it this this came up and I guess we pounced on it, but I just I, I just would have rather make the picks this year, get get the best prospects available. But then if if we use the New York New York Islanders pick and we still want to make a trade like this, it means then we're trading our own pick, which I think is definitely more risky the islanders have looked good they're in a playoff spot now as much as yeah the canucks are trying to push for a playoff spot next year we were we said that about this year and look where we're at so i don't know how confident i'd be trading our own pick i would have i'm happy that we traded the islanders pick instead of our 2024 first and you know if we make that pick this year and still want to make a trade like this we would have had to give up one of our own picks which could be risky um with how that's played out in the past so i also wanted to bring this up before i kind of started yelling a couple minutes ago but you see what chickering went for he went for one more second but the second can turn into a first oh is there a condition on it yeah okay i'll shut my mouth never mind so it, it could be two firsts and a second but yeah right now it's a first and two seconds and the second second is the 2026 one yeah so it's similar value, but the di- so the difference between Chikrin and Hronik is Chikrin's a UFA at the end of his contract. Yes, he's on a great contract right now, mm-hmm. but okay. he's a UFA, which makes also, it also a lot different than Hronik, who's an RFA. So I I was just seeing it as the way I saw it, without all of like what you just said, was that they added one more second, and like I understand Chikrin's a left-handed defenseman, but. I'm almost at the point where I don't even care what hand of defenseman we get. We just need defense. <laughs> we just need capable defensemen to play defense for us because we have one good defenseman and his name's Quinn Hughes, and that's all we have. Other than Phil Peronic that we just got, but before that, all we had was one hand, one left-handed defenseman. I'll take I'll take another left-handed defenseman. I don't care. Oh yeah, we need anybody anybody on the back end that we can get. I don't think Bear's bad, but. Um, he's like, right-handed. he's not a top pairing guy. On a good team, I think Ethan Bear's a third pairing defenseman, and that's like a really Agreed. good third pair. I don't, I don't think if he's on your second pair, your defense is all that great. So, but I also do really like Ethan Bear. I hope we can sign him, maybe to like under three million, but I don't think he'll take that. Yeah, but like you said, that the Canucks, the position we're in right now, you know, this trade. There's two sides to it, and we kind of we kind of went through both sides. There's the pessimistic and optimistic Canucks fans. I know you you said you're trying to be optimistic. It didn't sound like it when you were yelling there for a little bit, but I do understand where you're coming from. So I'm I'll stop ragging on you for yelling because it's funny. Hey man, but, keep the name calling to yourself. 
<laughs> I didn't call you any names. Yeah. Um, m- moving on to our next segment is we kind of want to continue with the Canucks and just what we've been doing in the last little bit here. What have we been doing? Why are we winning? Like, can we stop? And that's what I've been saying. Kuzmenko is killing the tank. We should have traded him. <laughs> Kuzmenko and Demko. But how can yeah. you not love Kuzmenko, though? Honestly, though, like, as much as we're winning, like, as a Canucks fan at heart, like, I just, I, I love watching these guys have fun, honestly, and just win. Like, last night, Especially Kuzmenko. Yeah, and Demko. Like, he's, like, Demko's been hurt all year. None of us even knew how he kind of felt. There was rumors that he wanted to leave. But then he shot those down, obviously. But seeing him play this well and then seeing him happy after games and all that, like, it's hard not to be excited about next year, even though I want to lose every game. This year, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, for some reason, I worry about Demko's feelings, but I also want to lose every game. (laughs) Which is kind of like... So, start Delia. Bring Martin and Delia back up and then run with that as your tandem. Demko gets a phantom injury again. I've also really liked Seelovs lately. He played really well Me last too. Night. Me too. I actually didn't watch last night's game. Um, I was at uh, our own hockey team. Shout out to them. We won the banner last night. But Oh, that would be. Yeah. So I didn't get to watch last night's game. I did watch the Leafs game. But yeah, it's just entertaining hockey to watch. You know, we got to get the two shorties with JT Miller and uh, Pedersen each scoring game. shorthanded goals. I did watch the highlights from last night and you got... Pods, uh, that Pods and Kraftstoff line's been looking good, hey? Yeah, I've really, I've really liked them. It fe- sounds like they like, or not sounds like it feels like they just feed off each other the whole time, and they play yeah, better with each other. Pods is that heavy forechecking power forward, and then Kraftstoff's that playmaking winger that you know we kind of talked about last week, where he needs to play someone, play with someone that's a a good forechecker, and um, that and he benefits off that. Like I think Pod's goal yesterday, right? He gets in on the forecheck, creates a turnover. Um, it gets moved over to Kraftstov, moves it up to the point. Pod goes to the net. He gets the tip in, and yeah, yeah, that line's been looking great. So, like you kind of said, I'm I'm looking forward to next year, and it makes me happy to see this and optimistic for next year. But I also do want to start losing a little bit here. We do this every year, man. We do this every yeah. year. We start winning near the end of the season and kill our chances. And we all get excited for the next year, and then we go on like a 10-game losing streak to start it off. I know. But like, honestly, I'm really excited. I said this last year as well, but I'm really excited for our winger group because having Pod and Krav and then Hog and um, even just like all the HL guys, they've been playing very well. I've been really yeah. liking Joshua. Joshua can take a step next year as well. Oh, Joshua's been great. I have nothing bad to say about that guy. He Manko plays with heart. Oh, yeah. Manko Mikheyev, yeah. Like, you know what? What what was his goal yesterday? He had like a nice toad rag. Lisa oh, it was a Soros's. really nice goal. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that. Like, So he's he's got some skill too, you know? I feel like what this team's really been missing for the last, like, feels like a really long time is like a solid fourth line center that can actually like stay on our team and not so that we're not just mixing up we have a different center every year on our fourth line it feels like which most teams are like that but i feel like good teams find a good fourth line center and keep them there and they sign them long term so i really hope i really hope nils amon can be that for us because he's been really he's been looking really good since his call up yeah i agree with that too to be honest so yeah like you said i'm excited for next year um Although these last couple games, I, I liked beating the Leafs. That was that was kind of that was kind of sweet. But yeah, see, been, like it, it would be al- nice to move to lose here down the stretch. There's always those games. Like I know I said I want to lose every game, but then there's those games where it's like the Leafs and I love beating. I like I love beating the Leafs. So that's the team I'll give the pass to to beat because then yeah. I can just go to hockey and chirp my one buddy. And then I also love beating Minnesota because. <laughs> a couple weeks ago I had Twitter beef with these guys from Minnesota <laughs> but yeah did we win I don't even know if we won that game did we win that game no I actually went to that game we lost oh, okay but yeah that's yeah whatever but yeah like there's always the emotional games that you want to win but um yeah I I just can't see us losing out and I really want a top five pick this year that's kind of I, I, I I've always been pretty like real fit and I knew we were never getting bedard. And it looks like we're not getting a top five pick. 
It doesn't look like we're even getting a top five pick this year. I know. Like, I, I bet you we end up with like eight or nine again. Probably, unfortunately, but and we can even jump class up. is really good. We can even jump up like New Jersey's done the last couple of years. I know because they changed it, right? Yeah, you can only move up like three spots, I think. Yeah, it's brutal. We're in like four, two years ago, New Jersey jumped up from like 16th to first. I don't even know what it was. It was a pretty big jump, though. Not quite 16. It was like 11th, though. Like, yeah, close enough. Exactly. They were around where we were, and they got Hughes, and we got like 10th overall. So it just feels like every single team around us that was worse than us four years ago is better than us. Like, all the teams that were rebuilding at the same time we were rebuilding, they've all taken, like, two steps ahead of us, and it's kind of annoying. Because other than outside of uh, Arizona and Anaheim, they all did it properly. Yeah. They all had actual GMs that built their teams properly. Yeah, and I actually really like what Alvin's done this year, other than the Heronic trade, which is... I'm 50-50 on it, so... You know, I would say... I like it. No, it's 50-50 <laughs> for me. But yeah, it's a lot to pay. It's a, it's a big risk, which I don't think it was worth the risk right now. But we'll see if it ends up being worth the risk down the road. But I, other than that, I, I love what Alvin's done so far. So hopefully we have a better GM than uh, Hugh must not be named. So And I've really liked what Alvin's done this, this uh, trade deadline. It's just that one trade really put a sour taste, and I feel like in a lot of fans' mouths. Yeah, I, I agree, and I know lots of people are upset about it. So, so uh, I just want to get into our two last uh, little bit of topics here. Uh, Quinn Hughes is the fastest to 200 assists in NHL history, which is, I feel like no one is talking about that. Um, he beat out Brian Leach, who is now second place of all time. And he, Brian Leach was 264 games, and Quinn was 263, so... Just to name a few players that Quinn beat out was Bobby Orr, Gary Suter, Sergei Zubov, Paul Coffey, Al McInnes, Dennis Popvin, Mark Howe, and Paul Reinhardt. And those are all pretty legendary defensemen, and it's pretty crazy to think that Quinn beat them all up, pretty much. That is crazy to think about, honestly. Like, I, Bobby Orr obviously sticks out as like the, a huge name there, but you know those other names are no slouches either, so it's like pretty Brian cool Leaf. that... Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's pretty cool that Quinn Hughes is at the top of that list. And I, I saw somewhere that Makar has a chance at it. I think he needs essentially point as an assist per game. Yeah, I think it's like for 36 or 38 games. 38 games. Yeah. Yeah. So, which I'm like, I, hoping. I wouldn't put it past him to do it. I wouldn't put it past him either. But I'm hoping Hughes can hold on to that top spot because that'd be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And like, I feel like Hughes is always getting slander and everyone's always kind of dog in him and even and then he does this and no one talks about it it took the nh like the nhl twitter account a full day i think it was more than a day to actually post about it yeah i feel like with hughes everyone just wants to discuss his uh lackluster defense but it hasn't even been like that bad he's a plus 11 year. yeah he's, he's like exactly like his first two seasons were were negative but then this season and last season have been really good defensively. And I feel like I feel like when a label's put on you, I think Thomas Durant or Satya Shaw said this, when a label's put on you, it's hard to get rid of that label. Yeah, exactly. I also wanted to get to Elias Pettersson hitting 300 points. Um, yeah, 300 was, points in 306 games. Yeah, he's the first uh, player in the 2017 draft to hit 300 points as well. I'd say that this is a little controversial. If it's a redraft, who are you taking first overall? Makar or Pedersen? <sighs> I gotta go with Makar. The value of a defenseman. I know the value of a two-way centerman is crazy too, but I'm taking Makar. And I, it pains me to say that. Pretty crazy as a defenseman. Makar is already at a point per game. Yeah, and he's unbelievable. And it's not just the points either. He's great defensively too. So <laughs> it's hard to not take Makar. Yeah, I think I'll have to do, agree. Yeah, unfortunately. We love Pedersen. But Makar is a top three player in the league. Yeah. Can't believe Nolan Patrick went second overall. That year. I know. He really, uh, feel bad for the guy. Yeah, I feel like injuries kind of derailed him a little bit, right? Oh, for sure. Like, I think it's been concussions, right? Yeah, I think so. So with those little stat milestones from Hughes and Patterson, 
I think that kind of wraps up our show for today. We wanna we wanted to end with the Canucks, and uh, obviously we talked about the Hronik trade a lot. But I hope it was enjoyable for you guys. I know this was a super enjoyable episode for me, and I'm sure Isaac had a great time too. Yeah, we will catch you next Wednesday. Thank you for listening. <laughs>